Hey, this is Rabbi Zev Bennett. You're listening to the Daily Halacha, Kabbalah, and Machshava podcast series. If you're enjoying this content and you want more, or if you just want to support what it is that we are doing, or both, you can head over to www.yasodblocks.com where you can subscribe for $9.99, and that will support what it is that we're creating and allowing us to build and share more and more Torah of this kind. And additionally, you'll get access to all the things that we are currently building on the website on yesodblocks.com. So join the growing Yesodblocks community and support what it is that we're doing so we can spread more Torah in the world, transformative Torah and uh, light-bringing Torah. In addition, check out the the more recent series we put out on iTunes and on Amazon. It's called Tikkun HaYesod. It's all about using the Torah frameworks that are, are being presented here to do battle with and properly perceive and uh, and uh, relate to the world of pornography, the dark side of the internet. Tikkun HaYesod, again, on Amazon and iTunes. Uh, in this particular episode, we're going to be talking about the next section in Shulchan Aruch. It's Siman Vav, section 6, and that is uh, the the area of halacha relating to a specific bracha, a special bracha that we say whenever we go to the bathroom. And yes, in halacha there is a bracha that you say every time you go to the bathroom. It's called the bracha of Asher Yatsar. And we're going to have to explore a little bit about what this bracha means and how it works and why there is even a bracha like this. So let's first read a little bit and see exactly what this uh Halacha says. So this is, uh, again, uh, Siman Vav, which is section 6, Seif Aleph. It's a pretty long, uh, a pretty long halacha here, and uh, it's, it's going to be an explanation of a lot of the words and phrases that are in the bracha syntax text itself. So let's just read it and see what we can pull out of it, and then we'll try to build it into the larger framework that we've been constructing throughout the series. It says, When a person comes out of the bathroom, he should, he should say a bracha, and here is the, and this is what you should say. This is the 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 language. Asher yatsar es haadam bechachma. That Hashem formed man with chachma. Chachma is a funny word to translate. Um, it basically means and you can translate it as intelligence. Not exactly the right word either. People translate it as wisdom, but it's not really that either. Chachma basically means an understanding, like a systematic a uh, system. Really, that's probably the best way to translate it. With a with a complex and and coherent system. Uh, of, of drivers and, and pieces and, and parts and aspects. Essentially, it's really the underlying phrase, uh, the underlying concept, underlying word for the idea of technology. We find that in Parsha's Truma, that that's why Betzalel was appointed. He had Chachma and Tvuna, um, and he basically those those words represent the person's ability to actually think in a systematic way and construct coherent integrated systems. So that's how Hashem designed the the, the human body. Adam he for the creation of of man is itself it was done with a a, a, a wondrous type of systematic chachma in that way. Uh, which makes sense when you actually look at our bodies. I mean, our bodies are are technological, essentially. They are machines. They are biological machines that when you know a little bit about chemistry and uh, and biology in general and how it essentially is, you know, the, the, the chemistry world is filled with different elements. And so bodies are, we call them, you know, bioorganic or carbon-based, but, and we build machines like, like, uh, you know, computers and iPhones, then they they use more metallic elements, uh, for electrical conduction and things like that. But, um, the, 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 there's no real difference between these two machines, a computer and a human body are both machines that use coherent systems. Uh, the human body is far more complex, uh, and there are many, many things about it that we don't really fully, uh, have a handle on the Chachma yet, 
But in terms of the basic idea of the machinery, so you know they work with similar properties, electrical conduction, and uh, the nervous system, and you know communication between the, between different parts of the body. The cellular uh, structures are all designed to basically kind of uh, create these little compartments that allow the body to to form itself from many many smaller cells, and each one can kind of do its own thing, but they work together in a synchrony, uh, in a synergy. And so there is a technological. Uh, you know, I guess you say conception here that is that is very analogous or really the same thing as even uh, the regular technology that we're used to uh, using in our own lives. Um, this is what's called chachmanifla because it's still very much it's so it's so advanced that we still don't understand a lot of it. Uh, you know, it's kind of like if a person who has no background in technology tries to understand how there's such a thing as Wi-Fi. Well, Wi-Fi basically means there's an invisible cloud that pervades your space, and it somehow contains information in it in some way, and you can actually pull that information out of that invisible cloud, and then you can manifest it in your own personal uh, device that has the ability to understand that cloud and speak to it, and then uh, you can actually learn things from that. So, you know, if you don't know anything about how that works, that's like Chachmanifla. It's like, what what is that? It's this wondrous phenomenon uh, based on an incredible array of technological uh, uh, integration that leads to that outcome. So the same thing is true with the body, only much more so when we actually experience that on a constant basis as our body just does all these things that we don't really know even how it does them. So, so the question is why is it, you know why is the language of this bracha uh, the way that it is? So he's going to start giving some examples here. So one uh, one example, one 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 idea that it could be is that the body is similar to like a balloon that is filled with with wind, ruach, but also has all these these uh, cracks, crevices, openings. So that's that's one reason why maybe the, the bracha has the language that it does, because our bodies, on the one hand, are basically filled with our spirit, and they're filled with our, our breathing, and, and at the same time, it's filled with holes, and, you know, our bodies are able to hold in our life force or our, you know, our, our spiritual life. Uh, and there's a lot of there's a lot really here to delve into. We're going to try to do justice to this bracha text, but we really need to first do an overview of the whole idea of why we even say this bracha. And then he goes on. The other chachma here is that Hashem basically designed the human body and designed the the things that it needs to survive, and those things are in harmony. There's like a there's a, a a relationship between the body and the things that it requires in order to continue to to propagate. Uh, and to, to stay alive, and so uh, so that's also so that, that that's an example of a system where there's the, you know the, there's the consumer and the consumed, and the consumed is necessary in order to allow the consumer to remain uh, operating. And there's a whole you know a whole level of adaptation where the body actually uh, knows what it needs to eat and what it needs to consume. And there's a lot to talk about with all these things. But I think the big question we're going to try to deal with right now in this particular episode is, you know, why is there a bracha on going to the bathroom? And I don't mean why, like, oh, we don't need that. I think it's, if, in many ways it's kind of, you can come with a very obvious reason why we do need a bracha on going to the bathroom. Bra- going to the bathroom is an important part of our lives, and it's something which, it's if the, the whole concept of bracha that we mentioned until now was attempting to bring conscious, consciousness of Hashem into the various processes that we deal with on a daily basis. And the idea is to sort of recognize that there's nothing outside of Hashem's self and that we are formed of the fabric of Hashem's mind. And so it makes sense that there will be a bracha for going to the bathroom because it's part, it's a very fixed part 
of our lives. And in that in that uh, perspective, it's uh, it's pretty clear that this that this is this makes sense. But we have to dig a little bit deeper underneath that because there is something unique about the going to the bathroom example, or at least somewhat unique, somewhat unique. And there is this phenomenon in social, uh, in cultural society, that certain things uh, undergo these social changes over time. And what I mean by that is that there are time periods in which going to the bathroom is something which is, you know, considered more of a taboo topic. In other words, obviously, we recognize that there is this need to go to the bathroom in privacy. The reason is because of sexual energy. In other words, exposure to people's body parts that are normally concealed causes there to be a rise in sexual awareness of somebody that it can also um, obviate, block out the awareness of them as a as the totality of who they are. As we discussed this a little bit in a previous episode that related to sexuality, the issue with sexual presence when a person is not clothed and they're exposing organs that are sexually relevant. So what that does is it heightens our awareness of them as a sexual object and as a sexually relevant uh, con- construct. And it can then block out or reduce our awareness of them as a person in terms of the other aspects and attributes of their of their totality. So what that means is that you know it's 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 hard to to get to know someone in a deep way when they're sexually exposing themselves because the sexual component is very it's very um, distracting or very alluring, and so that that can create an imbalance in which there is now a heavier emphasis or a heavier awareness in our minds of the sexual component. And that's all a function of what's called das tovara. That's the eta das that we ate from the fruit of it in the Garden of Eden. What that did was it now means that we can actually, um, we can bring certain perceptual lenses forward in our our perceptual landscape, our mindscape, and actually see those things more prominently. And other lenses will fall, can can fall into the background, despite the fact that that having that happen, when we perceive someone through that kind of lens uh, landscape, it actually can lead to a distorted perception of them. This is actually the problem with objectifying people sexually. When you see someone in a way that is too much emphasis on the sexual side, and you're not seeing the rest of them, so then what that can lead to is an objectification situation where you can even hurt somebody because you're seeing them much too much as a sexual object and not enough as the rest of who they are. And so the Torah constantly has all these different um, you know, tools to relate to that, that problem, that phenomenon, that, that, that capacity for distortion that we have uh, in which we now don't see a person as they are, which includes a sexual component, but also has many other aspects. Instead, the sexual uh, uh, component becomes too prominently featured in our perceptual landscape. And so that's that's the same. The same thing is true with going to the bathroom. The bathroom inherently involves physical processes that are that also have sexual uh, relevance. And it's not even just sexual because sexuality itself is actually a subcategory of the physical uh, side of our body. And what can happen is that exposure to somebody when they are in the bathroom, where they're going to the bathroom, can also lead to a a higher level of of awareness of the person in a very physical sense that also can reduce. Or, or in some ways block out our awareness of them in the rest of who they are. The, the, if you think of, the, of each person as this immortal, um, absolutely intangible, immeasurable self that is irreplaceable, and that is like, you know, it's like the sun, and, and th- this blinding sun that we each are is somehow channeled through the body, and the body then acts as like a conduit for it. Well, if the body gets in the way sometimes because the body itself has a very distracting nature and because of the Eitz Adas dynamic that I described, so when you see somebody going to the bathroom, so then you're getting exposed to their, their bodily side in a more intensive way, and that can actually block out your awareness of them in terms of their immortal, intangible, immeasurable, irreplaceable self. And so there's a certain amount of 
of dignity that we, you know, that we try to create, a certain amount of, of balance in the dignity of ourselves. In other words, we all go to the bathroom. Everyone does that. But we try to do it in a way that is that is somewhat hidden. Not that it should be completely hidden because, and we're going to talk about this, this opposite perception in a second, we don't hide it because we are, you know, in, trying to pretend that it doesn't exist or ashamed of it. We are we, we do it in a more private way in order to maintain the balance uh, of our dignified self, our divine self that is here, and so that, that should not get blocked out by the by the intense physical experience of what the body is doing in a bathroom situation. And that itself is related, is, is a kind of like the larger category within which the sexual energy area uh, is also present because it's very similar. In other words, the sexual energy is also a very physical Physical, physically oriented energy, and it's something which also draws attention away from the total self. It can also, it's, it's not at fully as undignified uh, in its initial form as, as the bathroom issue, um, although the sexual act itself is very, you know, it's also a very heavily physical activity, and, you know, there's a lot of body things happening in that situation, and that's, you know, in that sense, it is also, you know, it's very comparable uh, to the bathroom situation. So, um, the, 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 this you know this balance this this need to try to correct for the eight using this bracha I mean that, that's really that as we already discussed that's a subcategory of the, of the total Torah system the total Torah system is about trying to maintain balance in our perceptual framework because the eight has corrupted that framework and has sort of tainted it with this this almost like it's it's like uh, a lot of different perceptions are all like on wheels and they're just kind of rolling around inside of our minds and they come into our into our um, you, know, you can think of it as like a machine. You go to the optometrist and they show you all these different lenses. Like, how's this look? How's this? How's this? And it's like, that's what happens with our perceptions. They just kind of roll into our into our uh, uh, points of observation and they cover our eyes and we see through them now and that's how we observe the world. And we don't even realize that those perceptions are so fluid and constantly shifting. And so the Torah gives us these different tools to try to maintain balance in our perceptions so that we don't see things just the way that we want to, but actually see things the way that they are. And that's exactly what this, this particular bracha is very much a part of that. And the way that it's a part of that, number one, is what we just said. In other words, it's about trying to uh, perceive the bathroom dynamic uh, in a clear way. Now, in the social cultural approach to the bathroom issues, there's generally these trends that actually mirror the left and right dynamics we mentioned in earlier episodes too. In other words, the trends are that the tendency to do this stuff in private can create this accumulated lens perception because of Das Tovara, again, that this is something which is taboo. In other words, bathroom things are off limits. They need to be hidden. We need to be ashamed of them. We need to pretend they don't exist. And we hide them because of that. In other words, we start off you know, in a healthy perspective, we start off sort of just saying, well, this is a private thing, which uh, if I, I want I'm doing it in order to maintain the balance of my intangible, dignified, uh, immortal self with the physical body that I use to channel myself into the world in its current form, which is full of body related things. So that's, that's the healthy um, balance perspective. And then over time, because of Das Tovara, as we spend more and more time um, being private about this, and we teach that to our kids, and you know, and, and we don't necessarily share the total perspective with our kids, we actually can convey and develop within ourselves a perception in which we see the bathroom situation as something which is very taboo. It needs to be hidden, and we need to be ashamed of it, we need to always hide it. It's, it's, it's really, you know, it's, we, we want to even pretend that we don't go to the bathroom. That's like a, that's a, a very real cultural phenomenon to sort of be like, well, you know, you know, there's jokes about how women don't go to the bathroom. We, you know, people pretend like if you're very, very attractive, you, wanna, you don't want to ever be exposed to someone who goes to the bathroom. And this was a culture that has reared its head uh, frequently over centuries, and it was not so long ago that it was also a very uh, um, prominent culture in the Western world, and now it still is in certain, in different areas, but we have now its opposite is also coming to the fore, which is something which is 
again, the right and left reactivity dynamic that we discussed before, that it starts off, there's, there's a taboo option, but then there's also the reaction to the taboo. In other words, at a certain point, people sense, well, it's not really wrong, and there's nothing wrong with going to the bathroom, and why do I feel like so ashamed of myself that I can't do this? And then people react to that and push back the other way, and they say, it's totally fine. We can go to the bathroom wherever we want. We can go to the bathroom in front of each other. We can, we can, you know, we can go to the bathroom in public, and we can, we can talk about going to the bathroom, and we can, we can say whatever we want about it. We can speak about bathroom, bathroom functions in a very crass or very, very overt way, and it goes the other way, where now it's like we are reacting to the restrictions and we're pushing to free ourselves from the restrictions, the, the side of gvura, the side of the right. Uh, we basically are reacting to the restrictions, and we push back to the side of the chesed, the side of the left in the political world, to say, I don't want to have that those boundaries. I want to be more liberal, and we can just be free with these things. And then that can also go too far, and then it gets to the point where there's too much freedom with bathroom things, and it starts to erode people's relationships, and it gets to the place where then it's like, well, you know, it's it's so it's so overt and commonplace that it actually feels like we're just you know we're we're insensitive to it and we are we become desensitized we become we take it as a complete given that we just have animal bodies and this is just what we are and it actually pulls our consciousness down into a place where we start thinking of ourselves as just these very physical beings and it really can reformat our entire perception fr uh, framework as a result and so the Torah is the balance point between those two things as always just like in our discussions of the right and the left the Torah is the balance point between these things to what's called Midas Hatifera to try to actually maintain the awareness that there is on the one hand the we are these immortal selves on the other hand there is the physical side of the body that is a hundred percent a part of who we are and that we have to uh, we have to on the one hand relate to it properly and and put it in its place but not let that turn it into a taboo that we are ashamed of to negate it which is kind of a Christian perspective that the body is something which is an unfortunate occurrence that needs to kind of be hidden uh, and we also don't let it become too prominent and say oh it's you know it's 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 fine everything is fine there's no limits and we can just do whatever we want and that is exactly what this bracha is about in other words in Torah and in Gemara you'll see, if you learn Gemara then you already know this there is no subject that is taboo we don't have taboos in Torah there's no such there's no, there's no such thing as something which cannot be discussed you could talk about anything you want any any language any word can be discussed, and as long as it is being discussed in a way that is in a Torah balanced context way. So there are Gemaras that are explicit and and very very you know clear about sexual processes. There are overt discussions about how those things work. There are overt discussions about bathroom things, and that's because there is no part of life that the Torah is not reflecting. The Torah does not map out and relate to. The Torah doesn't have shame in that way, but the Torah also is pure in the way that it is balancing those things. In other words, you can have a discussion with, a, a, you know, if you're, if you, and this is something which was kind of it used to be known in society that when you're younger, you can't talk about some of these things because you're, if you don't have the maturity level, then it starts to distort away. You know, it's kind of like trying to have a discussion about sexual intimacy with like a, a fourth grade classroom. It's like everyone starts making jokes because they don't have the level of maturity to understand this is just a part of life that needs to be discussed. So, and that's because we teach kids that it's taboo and we shouldn't talk about these things. Um, and that's, you know, that's something which is perhaps okay for a younger child, but you actually need to even balance it for a younger child. Uh, and there's, you know, there's, there's a strong case to be made for teaching kids about these things from a young age in a, in a, at, at a level that is appropriate for their ab ability to understand, um, as opposed to just sort of saying, oh, we don't talk about these things. But in the Torah's approach, so, you know, we, we, we talk about these things very openly and easily, but with the understanding that we are trying to retain balance. In other words, to have a discussion about sexual intimacy when you're learning the, the Gemaras in Masechet Ksuvos, which is, has a lot of sexual Gemaras in, in, in that Masechet, so you have to retain the mental perceptual balance to not let yourself get sucked into thinking heavily about sexual things now from a place of desire, 
but instead to actually just be an, a, a, a critical analyst, a critical observer who is trying to assess the different components and pieces of this particular thing, the, the world of sexuality, so you can analyze it and learn more about it and understand it both in yourself and in others and how to have those kinds of relationships. That is a very necessary critical analysis uh, uh, dynamic. And so that is exactly what the Gemara does. There is nothing which is off limits in Torah in that sense. And this bracha is really a part of that same framework because what we're doing is we are basically describing what our body does with clarity. We're not saying like, we're not, we're not having this very like bodily discussion, very crass or very just kind of like a dirty language discussion of that comes from a place of like, oh, I'm uncomfortable with my body. So now I want to like joke about it in a very, uh, you know, innuendo kind of way. We're describing the totality of what happens that the body literally sifts, sifts through the things that we eat and it excretes the th the parts of what we eat that are, that are, that are damaging or, or problematic or and, and it basically is this this machine that can do that. And that is something which, you know, that perspective is a is a is a kadosh perspective. It's it, re, it remains dedicated to Hashem. It's not a perspective that kind of like gets sucked into the body side of it or tries to pretend like there's nothing happening. It's very detailed. And we're going to see more of this halacha in the next episode. It's very detailed, a lot going on in this bracha that talks about exactly what the body does. And there's no shame in, in, in discussing that at length and in detail. And it's just that it, it retains and maintains that balanced perspective, even as it's being discussed, so you don't actually lose sight of the, the, the wondrous side of existence, the side of immortality, the side of the neshama, the side of Hashem, as you are immersed in, some, in, some, in words and, and discussions of a very physical process. So that's the, the main idea here in terms of the, the, the way to use this bracha and the larger framework that it's part of. And in the next episode, we're going to explore the language of the bracha a little bit more deeply and sort of see that in action. So hope you enjoyed that. Thanks again for listening. And uh, again, please consider subscribing at yesodblocks.com to support what we're doing. And uh, please join us for the next episode.